Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, we are in the book of Malachi. We looked at the first five verses last time, but I'm just going to read those now as we go in, and I'll recap a little bit, and then we'll get into verse 6. Malachi chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Israel, beloved of God, I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his heritage, for the jackals of the wilderness, even though Edom has said we have been impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Your eyes shall see, and you shall say, The Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. Now, remember, Malachi is bringing this message to Israel, but as always in God's word, he's bringing the message to you and to me. Israel, the word Israel means governed by God. So if you're here tonight and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you should be governed by God. He should be your Lord and your Savior. So you can guarantee that God has a word for you in this book, even though it's the last book of the Old Testament. In verses 1 through 5, which I just read, the first message was God's love towards Israel. And Israel um, doubted that love. They said, how did you love us, God? And many times, maybe something we're going through, you say, well, I don't really feel your presence, Lord, or I don't feel your love. And as we talked about last time, all you have to do is look back on your history. Just like Israel, all they had to do was look back on their history. And they could have seen so many times God's hand throughout history. The same should be true of you and me. We should look back on our lives and see how God has been faithful and done things in our lives. He's not going to stop. He's going to continue to work in your lives. Remember, history is his story. History is his story. All of history is God's hand, his handiwork, in spite of the evilness of the world. God still can be found in all the craziness that goes on. It said also in those first five verses that God loved Jacob, but he hated Esau. And we talked about how that hated, not the hate that we think of, in a sense, if you hate someone, hopefully you don't, but if in that terminology, hate somebody, it's a, he loved them less. He rejected Esau. He knew Esau's end of days. He knew the heart of Esau. He knew where it was going to end up. God knows your heart. He knows my heart. 
as you come on a Wednesday night or a Sunday or you read your God's word every day, that's showing God your heart. You're revealing to him by your actions how much you really love him, how much you are seeking him. And that's so neat on a Wednesday night in the middle of the week, you know, throughout our country, traditionally people come to church on a Sunday. But to see people come in the middle of the week, that is so great. I want to just keep encouraging you to do that. Whenever you have an opportunity to do anything that's concerned with the Lord, jump into it. In Isaiah 46.10, it says, Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. We have to remember that God knows everyone's heart and the outcome of the paths that we decide to take. He knows where our choices will bring us. In Revelation 22, 13, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And then earlier in the book of Revelation, in chapter 1, verse 8, it says once again, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Who is, who was, and is to come. He's got it all wired. There's nothing that we have to worry about in the Lord. And in that last verse, before we jump into tonight's verses, it says, Your eyes shall see and you shall say, The Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. God's love and reign goes way, way beyond Israel's borders. How about it goes everywhere? Everywhere is God's reign. Now, we look at the world, and it's in chaos. But remember, it's not falling apart, it's falling together. It's according to God's plan how things are working out. In spite of the sin and the evil in the world, God is working His purpose. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, meaning He is supreme over all creation. You and I are either a person of his word or a person against his word. There's only two categories. When you think about it, there's no gray area. You're either a person of his word or you're a person against his word. Tonight, the message, looking at Malachi verses 6 to 14 is, how do you and I honor God? How do you, as an individual person, honor God? Let's take a look at verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts. So I read this several times. I, I keep The verse that kept coming into my heart and mind was Luke 6, 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? The first five verses and part of this verse 6. Malachi, remember his name means my messenger. 
He's bringing a message from God to the people. And as we finish here, before he jumps in to talking to the priests, he's talking to Israel, those people who were supposed to be governed by God. And they were saying, they were calling him Father. They were calling him Lord. They were calling him Master. But they weren't doing the things which God required of them to do. In Matthew 15, 8, it says, You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. I was thinking, coming into tonight, we sing, but do we really worship? We all sang, or a lot of us sang the songs, the four songs before the service tonight, or during the beginning of the service. We sing, but are we really worshiping? How do you honor God when you sing? Definition of worship, the, there's a noun definition and a verb definition. The noun definition is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for God. The feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for God. Example would be the worship of God. That would be the noun usage, the worship of God. The verb usage, or the verb definition, would be show reverence and adoration. But it's an active verb through praise, through singing, through giving Him glory. Do you sing or do you worship? Do I sing or do I worship? We go to church, but do we understand that church is not a building, but it's a living organism? I think Pastor Joe mentioned it this past Sunday, if I'm recollecting correctly. This is just a building. Nice building, but it's not. It's, you're the church. I'm the church. We're living organisms. It's you and me. Are you and I actively investing in the health of our body or are we more concerned with watching the clock? Are we investing in that body, in that living organism? Are we physically here but a thousand miles away? Where are we really? The flesh wants to do one thing, the spirit wants to do the other. What's controlling you? To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what ways have we despised your name? Now this was directed at the priest. Now the definition of a priest is a person chosen by God to represent him before the people. And also to represent the people before him. They were a mediator. This is in the Old Testament. Since Jesus has come, died, and rose from the dead, there's only one mediator right now, and that's Jesus Christ. We don't need anybody else. We don't need any so-called saint. We don't need any pastor, priest, anybody. 
There's one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ himself. Verse 7, you offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? Now, they're asking this question, if you remember from earlier part of chapter 1, it says in verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord, yet the people come back and say, well, in what way have you loved us? Almost an arrogance, almost like a wisecrack remark. God has loved them throughout their history, yet they can say, well, how have you loved us? And here in this particular verse, you've offered defiled food on my altar, but then they say, in what way have we defiled you? And then it goes on to say, by saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? So what they were doing as they were going through the motions and really not honoring God at all, they wouldn't take their best livestock. They would take blind, lame, crippled, sick livestock and offer it to the Lord and keep the best for themselves. Now how does this apply to you and I? Well, you and I could be the defiled sacrifice. Romans 12 talks about, verses 1 and 2, talk about us offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. How could we be a defiled sacrifice? Well, one, we could be blind because all we see is ourselves. We don't see the other parts of the body of Christ. We don't see the living organisms that is the church. We could be blind because we're not anticipating the move of God in our midst during a service. Do we anticipate God's touch on our presence here tonight? Are we anticipating that? Are we hoping that takes place? We could be the lame per- people mentioned here in the scriptures by not taking steps to seek out and search for God. Pokemon Go. (laughs) Versus Jesus Go. Last weekend, we were in the park a couple times. We saw all these people walking around. They were so busy looking down, they couldn't look up. And I went on a couple sites to investigate it. People were banging their heads. They were stubbing their hands in things. They were cutting up their legs because they weren't watching where they were going. There were some who were using it in a negative way. They were trying to lead people to a certain spot so they could mug them. One uh, girl was looking for a waterman or a lakeside Pokemon. And she found a dead body. Time factor. Three o'clock in the morning, a policeman stopped a young guy playing Pokemon Go. Just stopped him, three o'clock in the morning. Time consumption, time factor. 
What is your treasure? What is my treasure? Is it, the, is it your family? Is it your job? Is it money? Is it sports? Or is it Jesus Christ? Because we know what the Scripture says, where your treasure is, that your heart's going to follow. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And that's not a Pokemon Go slogan. That's right out of the Scriptures. You will seek me and find me when you search, with me with all, search for me with all your heart. Continuing with verse 8. Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. And what they're referring to, would you give this crippled animal, this sick animal, this blind animal, to, back in this day, your governor? But let's take it to ours. Would you invite someone over, a special person, and give them leftovers? Do you offer leftovers of your heart, leftovers of your time, leftovers of your energy, leftovers of your passion to Jesus Christ? Or do you give them everything you got? Do you give them every, the best of what you have? Or is it just a portion? It's just this much today. In 2 Corinthians 11... 23 to 29, I think that's going to go up on the screen. This is Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and it says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one, Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the cities, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and am I not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? Paul is sold out. Paul is going to the max for Jesus Christ. Jesus went to the max for you and me. Jesus tells us to be imitators of him. Paul tells us to imitate him as he imitates Jesus Christ. Where are we, everybody, in our walk with the Lord? Are we sold out? I mean, Paul, think of all those things that he went through. And that wasn't going after Pokemon. He was serving Jesus Christ. And I was just thinking, as the youth pastor, I'm thinking, well, how can we take this Pokemon craze and get the gospel out there? You know, let's find out. I think our gazebo is one of the Pokemon Go places. So let's put some Pokemon tracks out there and see what happens. Who knows what God will do? Seriously with all that stuff. 
I saw like 30 kids in the park the other day. I thought a couple were going to walk in the lake, but they were all looking for the Pokemon Go. What an opportunity we have to go right out there and engage them in conversations. They say that in the last week, it's more hits than Twitter's been just with, with this game. So how can we use it? How can we use it to point people to Jesus Christ? Paul says in his prison letter, now Paul is in prison writing this letter to the Colossians, and he says in 3.17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Question I ask myself and I throw to you, is if you're not doing it for Jesus, maybe stop what you're doing or approach it differently. Psalm 90.12 says, it says, ask God to teach us. Now notice this, ask God to teach us. So it's something that we have to learn. And that is to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Our time is short on this planet. Our time is short. Are we going to use the time that is remaining to make an impact for his kingdom using those things in the world to point people to Jesus Christ? To engage people, whether to active conversation about Jesus. Neat thing that's been taking place since uh, we came back from the FCA camp. Um, the school I teach at had about 10 kids who went. So since they've been back, now you have to remember, <clears throat> excuse me, over the years, there's been a lot of FCA camps. And we've done different things when we've come back. Sometimes we've waited till the school year to try to re-engage. But this year, the first Wednesday back, um, matter of fact, every Wednesday throughout the summer from 8 to 9.30, we invite the kids down to a park to play basketball, and then they get about a half hour into the scriptures. So Mac, myself, and a couple other friends who were huddle leaders are going to keep this going throughout the summer right into the school year, and then on Wednesdays, We'll try to get them going at 6 a.m. in the morning or 6.15 because their first class is like 7 o'clock. So we're just going to try to keep it going. And I think there was about eight kids down there today. And uh, Mac was in charge today, and he had to mem memorize Joshua 1.9, which was the theme for the camp, and to uh, read the scriptures and to pray. It was awesome. It was awesome hearing these kids just you know, sitting on the side of the hill on a beautiful day, and they had just played about an hour of basketball, and now they were getting into God's Word. So it was just a cool thing that was going on. So what can we do, is the point, to stretch the situations that we're in that people will be engaged with Jesus Christ? Okay, jumping into verse 9. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us. While this is being done by your hands, will he, will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. So basically what he's saying is, 
you know, is God going to be gracious to you? Is he going to, are you going to have God's favor when you're not doing the very things he's asking you to do? There was a ritual that the Old Testament priest had to follow when they were in the synagogue and how they were ministering to the people or in, in the temple and how they were ministering to the people. They weren't doing it. They were just winging it their own way. They were doing what they wanted to do. And the question in this verse 9 is, well, is the Lord going to show favor? Is he going to accept you favorably? And the answer is no, he's not. He's not going to accept them favorably, and he's not going to accept you and me or anybody in the world favorably if we just do our own thing and worship in him and thinking that we can conduct a service outside of his word. Think of the millions of churches and philosophies today all contrary to what God tells us to do in his word. It's crazy. Our government is accepting every kind of God now. It doesn't matter. Whatever you believe is fine with them. Well, it's not fine with God. It's not fine with Jesus Christ. It's an abomination to him. They're not in obedience to Jesus Christ. They're not seeking him. They're not seeking the truth. They're seeking what they want to do, just like these priests were doing. Repentance is a must for this verse 9 to be answered favorably. Repentance is a must. They have to show it in their actions, just like you and I. We might repent, but do our actions back up what our words say? Talk is cheap. We've heard since we were little kids, talk is cheap. It's our actions that tell everything about us. Verse 10, Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. You have to remember, of the, in the priest, just like today, there's older people, there's middle-aged people, there's younger people. All who say they love the Lord, all who say they're following the Lord. And God is saying here, is there anybody among you who would just shut the doors to the temple so this nonsense won't continue? And my question to myself and to you here tonight is, do we take a stand against the false doctrines. Are we a Paul? You know, are we a David or a Daniel or a Joseph or even better yet, a Jesus? They took stands. Many of them were killed for their stands because of the false doctrines that were taught in their day. There are five basic doctrines that are most likely to be attacked in your faith which is also mind faith. Number one is the Trinity. We believe that God is one, and the three who's with each who possessing all the attributes of deity and personality, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons in one God. That's one of the main doctrines that is attacked and will continue to be attacked. Number two, the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is 100% God, he's 100% man for all eternity. 
But there are religions that don't say that he is God. He's a prophet. His brother is Michael the archangel. Or his brother is Lucifer, I'm sorry. His brother is Lucifer. Third attack, the second coming. Jesus Christ is coming bodily to earth to rule and to judge one day. For 1,000 years, he's going to do that right in Jerusalem. There is going to be the second coming of Christ. Fourth, salvation. Salvation is always attacked. We know it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Father but through him. And then, of course, the scripture is attacked. Remember, our Bible, the Word of God, is entirely, is entirely inerrant and it's sufficient for this Christian life. It's all right here. God didn't leave anything out. God makes it very clear in His Word how He wants to be honored. God will not accept any other way. doesn't matter how sincere a person is. If it's outside His Word, He doesn't accept it. I could visit somebody in a hospital and I could be stepping on their uh, air hose, oxygen, and not even know it. And I'm sincerely visiting, I sincerely want this person to get better, but I have no knowledge that I'm stepping on the oxygen tube. I think that's like a lot of people. They're outside the Scriptures, they think they're sincerely seeking God, while right here, he's got it all right here between Genesis and Revelation. And we know that God has to open up their eyes, but I believe that the church needs to pray that more eyes be opened up in these days. There's more opportunities to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to those people who are blind, spiritually speaking, crippled, spiritually speaking. I was thinking about Cain and Abel. You know, Cain offering the fruit and Abel offering up the Lamb of God. And in Genesis 4-7, God asking in the form of a question, but he's saying to Cain, if you do what is right, your offering will be accepted. And if not, sin is crouching at your door and its desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. Remember, sin is a violation of God's very nature. Sin is a violation of God's very nature. It's totally opposite anything. Sin cannot be in God's presence. We are created in His image, you and I. Sin mars that image. With repentance and a humble heart, God will restore the image that was stained. Repentance and a humble heart. Verse 11, For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. God wants a pure offering, a clean and a repentant heart. I think that's a daily thing. 
where we should look to repent of things every day. Thoughts, words, deeds. And I haven't always thought that way. It's only till recently. What is, what's going on in my life, Lord? My thoughts, my actions, my deeds that is offensive to you, my Savior. What is it? And Lord, I lay that at your feet as you show it in my heart. I lay it at your feet. Cleanse me. Fill me. Let me walk a, a more straight walk. Have cleaner eyes, cleaner heart, cleaner intentions. No motive, Lord, but just to glorify you. Nothing else. Just to love you, Lord, wherever you may put me. In Philippians 2.9 it says, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now in that verse 11 of Malachi it says, For from the rising of the sun even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. We're not there yet, are we? The Lord's name is not honored throughout our world. There's a remnant of people like you and I throughout the world that love the Lord, that seek His face. But not everybody loves the Lord. Not everybody stands for the Lord. I was at, we were at uh, the FCA camp and there was got, uh, this guy named Peter from Laos. And he was um, a missionary and I found out later that he was in one of the issues of Voice of the Martyrs. And he's a born again believer. He's trying to take the FCA uh, concept back to his country. But he's been in and out of prison six or seven times. And one time he was in prison, they were going to let him out if he renounced Jesus Christ, and he wouldn't. So what they did is they took him and put him in a two by two foot box and kept him in there for a number of days. Crazy. But the joy on this man's face, the uh, love he has for the Lord. Think of like the Apostle Paul, what he went through, all those things. Here was a mo modern day Paul being persecuted in his own home country, but would not deny the name of Jesus Christ. But one day, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We get to do that now and then. We get to do it now and then. But there'll be some people for the first time they will be doing it in eternity. And that should be something that grieves our heart. That we don't want that to happen. Those people they put in our path, pray for them. Lift them up. Be that a godly example. Show them there is a better way. That the things that the world has to offer are hollow, are temporary. Jesus is eternal. The things of Christ will last forever. Verse 12. But you profane it in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled and its fruit, its food is contemptible. You also say, oh, what a weariness. And I have in parentheses, you blow out and you roll your eyes. You know, you just, oh, what a weariness. We've got to do this again. We've got to offer up 
these animals. Uh, there's one there. Let's get this. Let's slaughter it. Their heart. It's all about their heart. They offer with their hands, but their heart is so far from the Lord. How do you and I honor God? Is it with emotions or is it with our heart? Lord, forgive us for the times that we drift. Lord, just fill us so we're always focused on you. You know, may we have that heart of worship and prayer and study that puts a smile on your face, Lord. May we all be where you want us to be. As we continue with verse 12, and you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick. Thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? And of course the answer is again, no, of course not. He's not going to accept anything from you and I unless it's from the heart. We could sit here for an hour and a half. And it does nothing to the Lord unless our heart is engaged with His heart. Unless our mind is engaged with His mind. Unless we're trying to squeeze these words on these pages for the life, for that flowing river that we talked about before. He's the river of life to saturate us with His Holy Spirit so that we come out of this place tonight better than when we came in. Or else we're just wasting our time. But we know that God's Word does not return void. But are we anticipating that move of God's Spirit in our individual hearts so that we're more of a reflector of Jesus Christ when we leave here than when we came in? Verse 14, But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. We know today it is not feared. It's not feared among the nations. It's not feared in our own government by some of the people that we always see on TV. It is mocked. And any God, as I mentioned before, is okay. Whatever your belief is, ah, what's ever good for you? Well, Our love letter, the Bible, our book, God's book, says the beginning of wisdom is the healthy, reverent fear and reverence for God Almighty. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you. Thank you.